Hello and welcome to episode number 84 of The Third Power. Whew. This is one of your hosts, Anthony Avatolo, and with me is always our most rambunctious co-host, Usman Jamil. Hello. He's so rambunctious, oh. folks. Hello. Listen, listen to all the ram rambunctiousness. So I, I ran out of ram mid mid talk there. I just, <laughs> right. L- low ram bunctiousness. Pe- uh, processing. Yeah, like you literally had the little like multicolor spinner like on your face right then. Yeah, or like the modem sound, like like the breast. Like, <laughs> we describe one of our cats when when he's being dense. As as doing the modem sounds, like, <laughs> yeah, just like the mo- or just modem sounds. That's right, right. Just say modem good. sounds. Yeah. Well, we are back, back again, uh, and because we have uh, a couple of special things to share with you all, uh, we want to thank Wizards of the Coast for these two free uh, preview cards to share with you all from Double Masters 2022. There's a new year, a new double. All the doubles. I like, there's a part of me that like, in in the mind, it's like, the year is 2222. It's now 2222 Double 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 Masters. If you thought the last 300 of them were great, just wait until you see this one. Yeah. Lots of doubles. I wonder well, if somebody's I, I, just watching this and just like this is their first episode and they think I like no have no idea how to talk. They're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? What's what's wrong, mommy? What's wrong with that man? Is he? He doesn't know what's okay? going on. Is yeah. he? Is he okay? So uh, we have a couple cards for you to share with you. Um, and as you will see, they actually have uh, alternate. Both of them have alternate treatments. So uh, let's let's just go and let's just start talking about them. So yeah. uh, Usman, go ahead and, and pick one and go ahead and, and, and talk about it. Which What's our first preview card for Double Masters 2022? Okay. So first one is... Uh... Master Biomancer. We can read the card. Do we want to do that? Yeah, I mean, in case people are yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. This is not something you know. uh, There's a lot of magic cards that exist nowadays, so it's kind of hard to know them all. That's true. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what year this came out. I don't know. So it's two, two, a blue and a green for a two-four. Good old Pillarfield Oxstats, Elf Wizard. Uh, each other creature you control enters the battlefield with a number of additional plus one plus one counters on it, equal to Master Biomancer's power, and is a mutant in addition to its other types. And it comes in this really cool treatment. It looks it's very similar looking to the uh, like the first Commander Legends etched foils. Yeah. And there's like lots of really cool color saturation, like. Man, I just and I don't, you know, I'm not sure if this is if this is going to be etched or a foil treatment. Usually, this sort of color treatment is etched, but man, it. I mean, comparing the original printing or the regular printing with this other one, it's really man. I really like this new treatment look. It does look nice. It looks very classy. 
I'd say. It, it's very... I don't know. It's it's very... It kind of looks like a gold stamp kind of look to it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because the, the, the name plates... Are, yeah. are gold where the rest of it is, you know, just a full, nice full saturation blue green. Also, the artwork is very blue and green, so I think mm-hmm. it, it it coordinates very well with the uh, with the artwork too. So, yeah, I think that's the word I was looking for. It's like it, it kind of looks metal plated, and I think yeah. the white contrasting with the gold. So I find it interesting that you, when you said it, I actually read the card. Did you realize that the card says? Uh, and as a mutant in addition, not and is a mutant in addition to its other types. Oh, no, I totally didn't realize that until you just said that. Wow. Because it enters play as a mutant in addition to its other types. It's not like a state-based effect, like it is a mutant in other type. You know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah. find that interesting that one vowel, like, oh, okay. That's kind of cool. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think if there's like a term. Yeah, I was trying to think of like conditional, whatever. Like maybe that's kind of a thing with it. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of grammar thing that I used to know at some point in my life that maybe, I no longer know. It might be like a phrase, uh, prepositional phrase, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, like or well, you know, like and as are similes, right? Yeah, but you know, as a mutant. <laughs> that's not necessarily a, uh, a a comparative term, right? Where as a mutant, yeah. As a, yeah, you know, for the horde, you know, that's a prepositional phrase, you know, for but, the horde. And I try to remember the other one in I don't know five the horde. There we go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, master master biomancer, which like you said, uh, if you're doing uh, plus one plus one counter shenanigans, which uh, green keeps getting more and more, right? We're, we're, we're slowly building towards a critical mass of green cards that do plus one, plus one counter shenanigans. So, you know, like the hardened scales snake type things, even though that's green, black, you know, there's a green, white one. So that's kind of a, a definite function for green. So, yeah, I do like also that it's, a fine mana cost for it to be like a rattlesnakey kind of card where or maybe it's like a lightning rod i think lightning rod's the right term where it's just it focuses the game to where you want to kill it depending on what your game plan is like if it's very much about board states and outsizing your threats versus theirs you mm-hmm. want to kill it asap but you may not necessarily want to. But I think four mana is like a fine cost for that too. I right, mean, and four just... toughness is a nice toughness for that too, where said lightning doesn't just kill it right away after a four mana. I was about to say, doesn't... yeah, you might have to uh, have some additional firepower or something. You may have to char it. There you go. Charred, uh-huh. charred mutant. Do, uh, well, except for that it's not a mutant. It's an elf wizard. The other things are Oh, mutants. right. So... Chart Elf Wizard. Right, which is really weird, too, because the first thing I thought of was, oh, Ikoria. And I'm like, oh, wait, you don't get when unless you just play them, the mutate cards naked. They they yeah. aren't they they don't trigger come into play abilities, so they don't actually get the counters. It always was a w- weird feeling having to play like Gem Razor naked. 
<laughs> a naked gem racer. This is supposed to be a family podcast? On the next episode of National Geographic. <laughs> right. Oi! What we have here is a naked gem razor. That's a beast, too, so it's very open-ended on what it could be. Beast. It's a beast. I think it's a beast, right? I, you know, that's a great question that luckily, due to the power of the internet, I can look it up immediately. And I believe you are correct. It is a beast. Okay. Yeah. It kind of has that beastly look to it. So even though they... They mutate. They're not mutants. Yeah. There aren't any mutants on Alcoria, are there? I I don't. <laughs> I, I know that was I more of no an onslaught. I know that was more of an onslaught. I know that was a big thing in onslaught. Not like Oteria was like, you know, the, the whole like Riptide wizards mutants thing. I think. Right. 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 Yeah. A, a Mistform mutant. I think is one of them. Ooh, don't, yeah. is is Goblin Mutant retcon to be a mutant? I think so. I am I'm like ninety nine percent sure it's it's a mutant now. I hope so. I think so. I, I want to say it is. Let's let's I, hope the internet is working. I'm busting out a quick search here for. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of the ones from. Uh, I, I to to no surprise, there's lots of blue and green cards that are mutants. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like experiment crash. Oh yeah, so it has been. It's been uh, retconned to be a goblin mutant. Good, you know, oh, goblin goon is actually a mutant as well. It does look quite mutated. At least see the art that I remember. The one, the jumpstart art doesn't look as. I mean, it still looks very big, but I remember mm-hmm. the 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 one from Legions looked very mutated. Legions was a goblin mutant. As oh well. yeah, look, it is a goblin mutant. You know, it just goes to show you how much. Sometimes creature types don't matter because, like, it was important because it was a goblin and because it was large, not necessarily ever because it was a mutant. Interesting. Or mutant. I wonder if there's a way to make the mutant uh, tribe matter on that one. Or if Put it's an heirloom blade. flavor text. <laughs> Put an heirloom blade on it. There you go. Right, so you can flip up your goblin goon. Yeah, there you go. Goblin chaining uh, it to Goblin Coon. <laughs> that's what we that's what we got to do. Uh, well, uh, our our second card is another multicolor card that also has a really nifty treatment. Well, Usman, what what card is this one? Oh, I, I, honestly, I thought you were going to read that one, but oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I I will be happy to read it if you like. Uh, The second card we have for you all uh, is Zur the Enchanter, EDH Commander All-Star. Zur the Enchanter is uh, one white, blue, black, so Esper uh, colored or wait. um, I'm trying to remember the the Capenna class. It's the... um, Shoot, uh, I've drafted it so much, and I can't remember the name of the family because I keep referring to it. Oh. Obscura. Obscura. Yeah. Yes. So it is one plus Obscura mana uh, for a 1-4 flying legendary human wizard. He of the Zer's Weirding fame. Uh, and it says, whenever Zer the, we- Zer, the, Zer the Weirding, whenever Zer the Enchanter attacks, you may search your library for an enchantment card with mana value three or less Put it onto the battlefield and then shuffle. 
I don't know why, for the longest time, I thought it only tutored auras. Yeah, you know, I actually thought about that when we were when we got uh, news of the preview. I thought of like searching up auras, and I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you can just get whatever. Yeah, yeah. It turns out you can just get get O rings. I'm like, okay, that. Yeah, that works. You can get meat hook, right? And just you know have a way to kill things afterwards, right? Yeah, or just like don't kill me, don't kill my board. That's that's one of my favorite uses of meat hook, by the way. Just doing it for oh, zero as the the rattle the rattlesnake effect is mm-hmm. that is that what they call it? Like the don't kill my stuff effect. <laughs> I don't know. I think hey, by is. the way, you're gonna get jacked up if you do if you don't, do something. Yeah, such a Stay lovely card. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it's a nifty one. It's a human wizard. Oh, they're both wizards. Wow. Ooh. Wizard Tribal. Yeah, I was gonna say Wizard Cycling, but yeah, Wizard you can heirloom blade one for the other. See that? Everything is about heirloom blade. If it you, is. If you all haven't if you if you're somewhat new listening to the podcast, you'll uh you'll learn, come to learn that uh, uh everything to Usman is uh uh cat and heirloom blade related. That's true. We have uh, we have a cat tribal deck with heirloom blade. Then I mean then he shall be in heaven. I would do it. Yeah. If, if, by the way, if you're new and still listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you've made it, just, if you made it past the enthusiastic response of uh, what, uh, uh. <laughs> the funny thing is, it's not like we started just talking right before. It's like we were just riffing for like an hour. So it's yeah, not like been I, awake for multiple hours. By the way, it's not like oh just, for sure. Yeah, it's not like we we're just like bam, we're recording. It's just like yeah, let's just catch up. And, you know, just, t- like, plot this episode. It's not like I was just, like, beep, beep, boop. boop no, no, no. Out. I didn't, like, Beethoven you and, like, clap your ears to get you out of bed to, like, perform for, the ma- for like, my friends. I'm not familiar with that that reference. Uh, oh, so that's, uh, stories go, is that that's one of the reasons there is there that uh, one of the rumors even though it was actually, you know, a disease later on, uh, why uh, the, the the family friendly version of why Beethoven went deaf was that uh, his his father would would wake him and and clap his wake him from sleep when he would come home from like the bars or a restaurant or whatever. And, and uh, young Ludwig was sleeping to perform and impress his friends. He would wake him up. And in order to make sure he was awake enough, he would like take he would cup his hands and clap them on his ears. How? To to wake him up all the way. I'm trying to think of why that story would happen. You know, is it like a referendum on the father being not nice or just, I don't know. I'm thinking way too much about this. Yeah, I and you know, I, I can't tell you uh, at any point in time where I'd heard such a thing, where that story was. Um, but... That's, uh, you know, one of the, one of the stories of, of why he went, why he went deaf. So interesting. Huh? Well, that, that's something which, you know, like I said, I have no idea where it comes from. I don't think I ever read it in any sort of, uh, any sort of like a uh, book or whatever. It was just one of those things that 
got started as a rumor or whatever because of that. I, I, I had also heard that at some point it was because he uh, developed a uh, he had a let's just say communicable disease that may have caused it. Oh, yeah. I think there, I heard that. There's yeah, that one, too. But, huh. you know. Anyway, what were we talking about? Zer the Enchanter. Yes, Zer the Enchanter. <laughs> it, it, uh, I can't. Does, did Beethoven. Like, was Beethoven's fourth, like, ever. Because I know Beethoven's fifth is the one that a lot of people. Yeah, that's the, that's the one everybody knows. Oh, do you want to hear my bad Beethoven five joke? Yeah. So, all right. So, mm-hmm. uh, L- L- young Ludwig goes to his mom and says, Mommy, one day I'm going to be a famous composer. And his mom, oh, so supportive, went, ha, 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 ha. Ah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. There we go. There you go. Thumb, thumbs up. There's your, there's your Beethoven 5. Yeah, Beethoven 5 and Beethoven 9 are the are the big popular ones because the yeah. first one is obviously the, the four-note uh, theme, and Beethoven 9 is Ode to Joy. Ah. You know, the choir thing that everybody knows in the finale. Yeah. So. I guess – one power plus four toughness is like five. Right. See that? Is Zer the Enchanter now Beethoven for some reason? It could be. I mean, if, we're, if we can retcon him into it, sure. I mean, we can. He's, Human he's holding a wizard. Hey, we have trombone players now in, in Magic. That's cool. Oh, yeah. How many how many people tagged you when, when that preview <laughs> card came up? <laughs> I've, also, I've also collected about seven or eight foil copies of it. Oh, nice. up after some, you know, after drafting or after doing whatever, people are like, "Oh, by the way, here you go." Nice. <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> you get any like fancy like foil uh, non English ones? No, not yet. No, not oh, non English okay. ones yet. So, unless we have some uh, fans of the show that would like to send, no, only English ones so far. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I was about to. I remember when that came. I was like, he's probably getting tagged by like everybody. I, I don't want to be that guy. Ha. <laughs> But I remember that was the first thing I thought. I was like, Anthony didn't like this one. He, well, thank gonna... you for thinking of me first instead of thinking of professional wrestling first. I was like, why professional wrestling? <laughs> are you, are you not familiar? There is a like a a uh, a team a tag team a team of wrestlers who one of them plays trombone. No. Uh all the all the people who watch wrestling right now are screaming like, how do you not know them? They apparently they are very popular. Um. My wrestling knowledge is like mainly limited to like the nineties. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it, oh, New Day—that's what they're called. Uh, Xavier Woods apparently plays trombone. Oh okay. Yeah, that so. works. Yeah, I have no idea. This is this is way past my timeline. Oh yeah, I, I mean <laughs> I'm I'm familiar with it in like retrospect or whatever, just because you know it, it's always funny when people will post things like, "Hey, like look at what this trombone player did." Like this video of like the flame throwing trombone trombonist, like who made a a flamethrower trombone, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that. Like, nice. Saw that a long time ago. I'm yeah. a trombone hipster, you know. I already <laughs> saw that stuff. So, or if they haven't, I'm like, have you all seen this? I'm like, because that's the first thing I thought of when I saw sizzling soloist was the uh, the flame throwing trombone. Anyway, uh, Zer the Enchanter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, uh, Wizards, for uh, sharing these preview cards with us. We uh, very much appreciate it, getting a chance to get together and talk about Magic again after some time off. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll get back to some talking about uh, multicolor a little bit more later. But um, 
So with Magic, uh, Usman, what have you been doing with yourself these past months? You know, the pandemic so, obviously put a, a big damper on a lot of our uh, Magic activities, but things are starting to, to shake loose again. So what have you been up to? So I had a, a cube uh, on Magic Online earlier this year called the Ravnica Cube. Yes, very and nice. I'm going to do an article about it eventually. I, I it's it like many the time. Yeah, exactly. It's it was a really surreal experience. Like a seeing my name on because occasionally I would get like my articles linked on the mothership, and that was really cool. But having you know an article that I wrote on the mothership, you know, talking about something that I created and it being it definitely not like a lot, you know, the other cubes that, you know, I'd created over time, but it was very surreal and it was kind of, I don't know. It was really surreal is the best word I can think of. It was the funny thing I remember was going into, uh, cause you know, everybody, when they, t- post screen captures of uh you know the chat clients on magic online you know they're like hey nice deck you, oh yeah all the ranting and complaining yeah you know just people being just salty. absolute yeah being salty yeah very very salty and you know i remember we like you know i'd start the games off i'm like hey this is my cube and and you know i remember thinking maybe at least one person would be like yeah this sucks or I'm just doing this for the play points or something. Everybody's like a lot of pretty much everybody I'd you know talked to, you know, whether it was going in streamers chats or talking about it on Twitter, um it, it was all just a lot of positivity. You know, I went on Jbro, went on a stream to talk about you know, just like my history of Cube and you know, just like what I've been doing with Cube over like this over 10 years of doing cube stuff. And it was just, I think the only real complaints I saw, which makes sense when you think about it, it was just like for those playing along, uh, the Ravnica cube was designed as a cube that was initially the initial design. And I'll talk a lot about this more when I do the article, but uh, it was initially designed to be just Ravnica cards and cards that were just like from the Ravnica sets and cards that were based on Ravnica, like Soul of Ravnica or stuff like that. And then it just wasn't quite fitting what I wanted to do. So I ended up incorporating a lot of hybrid stuff and people. I think I remember seeing some people being like, this card, you know, why is Fulminator Mage in this? Like, this doesn't fit. And mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like, if you think about it, you know, it. And I wasn't like, wow, these people are jerks. But I mean, that, I was like, that makes sense. Like, you know, that's a valid, that's a valid concern. But yeah, it was just a wild experience. So I had that happen over a week, and then I I started getting involved in the uh, the Popper Cube, the uh, the official Popper Cube uh, committee. Awesome. Where yeah, like when Adam Saborski um, went to work at Wizards of the Coast, that was previously his baby, uh, he handed it off to some people to act as the committee, and they put out the, the the call for more people to be added to the committee. And I was like, yeah, let's, sure, I'll do it. And I guess some other people agreed. And so, you know, I gave some two cents about uh, New Capenna. I think that was the first set where mm-hmm. I started to uh, 
you know, kind of talk about, you know, my input or, you know, where I kind of gave some direct thoughts and like the quick hits and, you know, just kind of changes where we want to do. Obviously, you know, <laughs> aggressive things or things I like to do. Um, you know, talk about like, I don't know how you're supposed to block that uh, body dropper, whatever that Rakdos 2-2 that you sacrifice creatures or yep. whatever. Yep. Yeah, I was like, how do you block this? Like, how are you supposed to block this thing? Uh, it's like that. Um, I've been playing a lot of Arena because that's that's pretty much how I engage with a lot of playing Magic right now. I mm-hmm. have been playing a lot of that, whatever his name is, Saiba. Uh, Saiba Siphoner? No, it's not it. Maybe it is. It's the two. T- it's essentially the Archeomancer. I'll Google it because I can. But ah. you know, playing a lot of that, playing a lot of uh, yeah, Saiba Siphoner. Yeah, that a lot of flash things and and whatnot. But you know, just playing Arena, being just playing Magic, talking about cats. A lot of a lot of my talk in Discord is talking about cats. We got a new cat, which is pretty. Oh, great. nice. Yeah, she was. She's a tortoise shell tabby. Her name is Mabel. Mabel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after the character from Animal Crossing. Okay. Yeah, she's she's a good baby. She's. We have two for for those who are still listening. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we had two boys. Or we still have two boys. A chrono yeah, who's yeah, they're they're still around. Yeah, a polydactyl orange tabby who's who's a, a big tank. And Merlin, who's, I don't know, he might be a Kalmani cat, he might just be a Siamese cat, who knows. But he's a cat, he's a white cat, and he's very smart. And Chrono, perhaps not as much. But <laughs> we, were, we were a little concerned that Mabel would break up their dynamic, and they, it didn't. They're, they're all just, we call Merlin Mabel the, like the detectives, like M&M detective agency. And gotcha. They, they, I, I'm pretty sure they started bonding over messing with the Christmas tree. That's oh, so right. Cute. Well, uh, Merlin's the one you have the picture of in the Christmas tree, right? Yeah, yeah. Where he—that's like a perfect Christmas like card. It is. It's so good. I was playing. I remember I was playing Arena in the morning before work, and I saw that. And I was just like, I should take a picture of this. I was probably jamming mono red or something, and I was just like, uh, take a picture, and then I was just like. Hey, get down. <laughs> get down for there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, just, uh, just really all excited. Things. Ah. Yeah, just lots of little things. You know, just like uh, talking about cats, talking on Twitter, eventually writing. There's still, you know, ideas in the in the, in the the queue talking about. Mm-hmm. I, and I do have some more like macro kind of ideas, you know, just like how to support X kind of things like I used to write about. And they're kind mm. of in the mental pipeline, which is kind of a foreshadow to what we're going to talk about in this episode. Mm. Ooh, foreshadow. But yeah, that's that's enough of my soapbox. I there you go. So how about you? How about you, Anthony? Well, let's see. Uh, after not being able to play uh, Magic for a while, like basically when things started to open up again, uh, I have started to play again. I uh, knew. A uh, somewhat newer local store that opened up uh, briefly, basically right before the pandemic hit, uh, opened up by another old head like me um, called Showcase Games, and they do drafts on Friday nights. Oh, nice. So uh, it's been a long time since I've been able to draft. So basically every almost every Friday night I, I go and draft. 
which is nice. It's one of the nice things about being a high school orchestra teacher and not a high school band director is that I get to go and play FNM on Friday nights instead of going to football games most of the time. So, yeah. So uh, we've just been drafting a lot. You know, we drafted a lot of Modern Horizons, drafted a lot of uh, New Capenna, drafted a lot of a lot of Modern Horizons, you know, some Neon or whatever. But it's just kind of nice, like going back to my roots of just drafting every week. Uh, I mean, we that's that's mostly how I used to acquire cards all the time is uh, myself and, and, you know, old old heads who now work at Wizards like, you know, Adam Prosak and. And, and some other people that's, we would just draft before F and M and during F and M or after F and M, you know, before the cube came around, then it, you know, alternated between the two. So I've just been drafting a lot. Uh, I've actually started to, and I, I know this is somewhat scandalous based on, uh, you know, our history here. I actually built a couple of EDH decks, a couple of commander decks. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it seems very it seems very apt. Like isn't Zur a big EDH card? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's it's certainly an arc I think an archetypical uh, to play as your commander. I think it's it's definitely a thing you can do. I feel like Zur was probably one of the early quote good commanders, right? Like build around commanders. Yeah. Um early in the format, like this was a very popular one. Um but the the two decks that I built, basically the first one I built, I just basically, I'm like, well, getting eight people together has been really tough, obviously, with everything going on with Cube. Um, yeah. So I wound up building my first deck mostly out of just my Cube. I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to grab a bunch of cards that I like and play with those and add some other ones. So, um, I mean, essentially, so, that's kind of the spirit of EDH in, in a way, is just playing with the cards that you like. Yeah, and you know that's that's why I built my first cube way way back. It's just like, hey, here's a bunch of cards that you know I don't get to play with anymore. Well, that's how I, you know I started with the Type Four thing. Is uh, hey, I want to play with a bunch of cards I don't get to play with, and then it's like, okay, hey, I want to play with a bunch of cards now that you know I have enjoyed playing throughout my magical life that dates back to 1997. I was oh, about to say when when you're playing oh, games, God. yeah, I know, right? When oh, you're playing games, sometimes do you do you bust out the old like I remember that card was played in oh yeah, 2003, yeah, oh yeah, oh we I just had a conversation yesterday talking about Flame Tongue Kabu in IPA draft. Oh God, and and, and I had this. I, I remember like you know because it, it, Flame Tongue Kabu when it was legal. And I'll, this is also some foreshadowing to kind of what else I've been doing. Uh, you know, it warped all the formats around itself. Uh, it warped standard around itself. It warped the draft format around itself. And, and one in story in particular, I remember is I was, uh, so IPA drafting. So invasion plane shift apocalypse. Um, and I first picked Trevor, the renewer in pack one. I remember what color Trevor is. Is it Bant? Uh, Bant. Okay. That's what I thought. Bant. Or wait. Um, is it brokers? Brokers. Yeah. The yes. lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, the uh, Bant broker dragon with, it had the, the worst of the abilities. It was like the, you pay three mana and you gain life, but it doesn't make a difference because it was a six mana, six, six flyer. Right. And so having yeah. a dragon or whatever. Anyway, so I'm just super solidly in those colors. My deck's pretty good. Pack two. I open up pack two. And in the pack, as the rare, is Questing Feldegriff. 
Ah. Also on color, also a bomb. However, in the same pack is also a flame tongue kavu. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh. And I was Uh-oh. like, okay, do we take the on-color bomb rare, or do we stretch and play the fourth color for flame tongue kavu? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you go... I, I feel like, yeah, in hindsight, uh, I feel like flame tongue. That was another thing, too, I forgot to mention with Chrono, is like somehow he became a meme for just like being making greedy decks. I think because he's got extra pause he's got extra toe beans yeah so it's just like because he's got the extra beans extra toe beans is like you know being greedy with your mana or whatever i don't know how that happened greedy oh wow nice but yeah i I feel like it would be the chrono pick to take the ftk and that's probably still i mean that's yeah so so this sounds weird but like it feels weird that like an did the because i know like in formats I can think of, like uh, Kamigawa, at least for best of one, because you know, I pretty much just play Arena right now, like Imperial Oath kind of warped the go big plan. And it was kind of like, if you had a late game plan, you kind of had to take into account you know, Imperial Oath. Was that kind of the thing with FTK in terms of like, the threats you had to play and whatever, or just like you stretch your mana to play FTK no matter what. Yeah, so so the lesson I learned is that you stretch your mana to play the FTK no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I took the on-color rare after like tanking for a long time because it was just like, how often do I get to have this perfect, like, hey, I'm in these three colors, and then I also open the rare. And so, you know, so I took that card and wound up with a very good deck and uh, lost to the FTK in the finals. Of course. Because Man. they're like, Flame Tunkavu, kill this thing. Okay, all right, trade with something else during your Flame Tunkavu. Okay, recover my Flame Tunkavu, draw a card, replay Flame Tunkavu, kill something else. All right, yeah, kill it. Okay. All right, recover my Flame Tunkavu, draw a card. All right, Flame Tunkavu. Yep. So so we learned that lesson that we uh, we should be, uh, should be uh, stretching it for that. But um, yeah. So, you know, there was, a you know, like I said, uh, drafting has been a lot of fun. Uh, that's most of what I've been doing. I, I was playing some modern uh, for a while, and I was enjoying the uh, the lifestyle of the blue-white control player or the uh, red-blue way of life, um, one of those two things. And so, and, and just kind of slowly getting myself back into it to try to, you know, find my way to, you know, enjoy the hobby again and start playing. Really haven't played any of the big competitive events. I think I'm... Um, aging out past that a little bit that it's just like it doesn't sound super exciting to me to go to an eight hour tournament to play for three hundred dollars like it does like first prize or four hundred dollar first prize like i'm just like yeah i want to go play magic for like four or five hours maybe and then go home yeah i was gonna say or just cube the entire or go, time. yeah i'll go do something else right so well, hopefully once we get cubing again that'll happen but yeah. uh speaking of flame tongue Kavu, one of the other things i did during the uh pandemic and kind of during not being able to play because I certainly missed talking about it. I missed writing about magic. I actually started a new article series. Uh, it's actually over on cube Cobra. And basically uh, I, I think the, I have as a description is old man yells at clouds about why you should be playing these like classic cube cards. Oh, and, nice! And I talk about the history of various uh, format warping, you know, quote, historically important end quote, like magic cards and why, even though they may have been outclassed in some way, shape or form uh, by 
power creep over the years, why it's really fun to play with these cards because of all what they've done kind of in the history of magic. Cause I've kind of embraced my role and my primary cube as basically being the, the history of magic, like the, uh, Hey, like the whole reason why I built it was to be able to watch these cards from different eras uh, play against each other, like these great cards from different eras of magic. So I, I've kind of accepted that role as being, you know, the the old man of cube. And uh, so uh, I've been trying to, you know, introduce and advocate for like trying some of these old cards, especially as they get reprinted in, in new sets and, and new people get a chance to get a chance to play with them, you know. Uh, like things like factor fiction that got printed into uh, modern legality or, what, oh, yeah. or whatever else. Right. So, so that's been a lot of fun for me too to write those. So you can find those over at cube Cobra. I figured that would be a, a great place to get them seen and read. I'm not necessarily interested in having a writing contract or necessarily making money off of them. I just want people to read them because I enjoy talking about magic. So uh, I think I have three or four of them up already. I have two more in the pipeline, at least that I've already written, that reminds me I need to finish editing them and upload them so they can uh, get into things. But other than that, just busy, uh, you know, busy with the job. And uh, my, you know, I, as I said, I teach high school orchestra and my program's been growing like crazy. Um, I think my, my freshman class this year started as 70 something people, um, which is a lot in the same room for one teacher. <laughs> yeah. Geez. And uh considering that when the when I first started teaching, um my entire program together was only in the forty something people with everybody combined. Wow. So nice. now yeah, and it looks like next year we're gonna have eighty plus new people Dang. coming in. That's so cool. yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. And obviously a little time consuming as as we, you know, music and magic often occupy the same time on the calendar. So, you know. Well, I've been in, getting a chance to enjoy uh, the chance to draft and play some other things. You know, there's always a lot to be done. So, you know, I, the school year ended and I still worked for another two weeks after the year was over, managing inventory and getting instruments repaired so they're ready for next year and doing a lot of other stuff like that. So, so yeah, things have been good, but we're you know, looking forward to kind of getting back and, and talking about magic and, and getting that cube group together again. I know that's something both of us w- would like to be able to start doing again. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, I think my, my cube has literally, literally been gathering dust and it's just been like, yeah, it's, it's in the old vault in the old cube vault, literally gathering dust in the office. And it's just like, I remember, you know, looking through it. Cause I think I, I sent somebody a picture of, my uh mistress factory which is like you know from antiquities super beaten up it's attacked for two a lot over the years mm-hmm. but it's just like yeah it's i i mean personally i i do find you know playing on arena does scratch the itch but mm-hmm. it's not quite a hundred i mean it sounds very cliche to say you know it's not just the magic it's the gathering but like, oh, a hundred percent, especially from someone like me who's like uh, an uber extrovert. Yeah, and I'm the opposite. I'm uber extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to go and and play with people. Like, that's the thing for me. Like, Magic Online never scratched the itch well enough for me. Yeah, I did find it cool though. Like when I was talking with people, they were like, "Yeah, this is." I, I remember like telling somebody like who I was playing, I'm like, "Yeah, hit me up on Twitter. You know, I just want to talk shop." And I remember thinking like, you know, if I lose, I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, it's all good. 
But yeah, I, I, I do look forward to, if anything, just to be able to cube more. I think that too has been why I've been less motivated to write is just because I used to very be like, okay, keeping up with the new sets and be like, okay, let's take out this new card and do this. But like now it's become running gag that I haven't updated my cube since like pre, like just with Eldraine. I think that was the recent set and like catching up is going to be... Whew. Yeah, I've done a lot of, I've still continued to curate my cube and acquire cards and make swaps and do things like that. But without getting a chance to do just a lot of boots on the ground type testing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're That's at the point I miss where too. the cube has just ballooned a little bit because I've just been adding things, <laughs> not necessarily yeah. taking these away. So I do every once in a while kind of go through and I'm like, all right, this card is neither historically important nor particularly impressive. Like, it's just a cog that this cog is probably a better cog in the machinery for it. Or, you know, with with the amount of uh, good cards that are being printed, you know, it's hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of good cards printed over. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny, too, because, like, some of these cards that are printed, too, you're like, Oh my god, if they printed this card like 10, 15 years ago, I would have lost my mind. If they printed Jewel Thief. Yeah. Jewel Thief <laughs> blows my mind. Cube. Yeah. I was like You know that I forget that picture of like that guy, that Renaissance painting of the that guy looking at something and being like confused. I don't know that meme. I don't know the name of it, but it's like some dude looking at and that explains that that doesn't really narrow it down much. Dude looking at something <laughs> yeah, just like okay, that's that's like most memes anyway. But yeah, I feel like uh, Jewel Thief is a card that, if it was printed like ten years ago, would have been a huge, huge surprise. Or even like you know, just like Werewolf Pack Leader, or like I don't know, lots of things. Well, I mean, they they just printed a card that when it was printed in blue came into play and didn't gain a life. Now they just printed it in white. Like Cloud Conseer has grown up and become uh, Angelic Overseer. Yeah, yeah, and, and Cloud Conseer is like what two years old? Three. So it's uh, M twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say it's M twenty. Yeah, so it's like twenty nineteen. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, so you know we the the amount of of refining to do is is. Certainly an experience to do. And uh, I, I remember whenever I think of Popper Cube, I remember us playing it. The the last time I got to play your Popper Cube that we, we, we play with like Jeremy uh, and a bunch of other people. I can't remember what event it was. Was it Memphis? Yeah, it was Memphis. Yeah. yeah. We were, we were in a very long mirror. We were in a very long match and like everybody else got barbecue, but we were, by the time we were done, it ran out. Which I think we got maybe some random chips and some barbecue sauce. But oh, I yeah, having... that's right. <laughs> that's right. Because the, was the noise. main event hall got closed down for some reason. There was a lot of other, noise. And then the right because the other hall they were doing construction and yeah. it was a ton of noise. So as like an apology, they bought everybody free barbecue. Except that we were playing like an Esper Blink Mirror in your mm -hmm. in your popper cube. Yeah, and by the time I remember having like a, a, I remember having a really bad headache because maybe because I hadn't eaten in some time and being like, uh, I should have just scooped. Okay, <laughs> I wanted food. 
that was also, I believe, the the tournament where I uh, let my thoughts be known about Sol Ring. Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah. very amused. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a while, and you know, here's hoping that sometime soon, you know, we can find some time again to to actually be in the same place at the same time, and uh, and, and look forward, and and hopefully get a chance to to talk more and and uh, do some more in the future. Um, cause you know, we like new things. It'd be, uh, new things are great. And, uh, I, I think you remember mentioning it to me. I don't, I don't want to wait any longer that you oh, yeah. do have something new to try here. That is true. I was actually going to dovetail it into saying, this is actually something I remembered is that I've been doing a lot of cooking, but if I talk about that, this episode is going to be way too long already, but <laughs> I do have a new beverage, which has been tradition from, right. and this so, is certainly okay, so. better than bird's nest soda. <laughs> or whatever uh burdick and yeah burdick. dandelion and burdick dandelion and burdick that's right i was not a fan so this one I, i'm very i actually got a 12 pack of this and i was gonna try it and then i got news of the preview and i was like i'm saving this for for the recording to try live reaction so so i'm with that information it was a 12 pack of soda Okay. And something I'm excited to try. What what do you think it could be? Uh, oh God, I have. I, you're gonna have to give me some amount of hints. You did. <laughs> okay. Something um, you're excited to try from a. Now you said it's a 12 pack, like of 12 various sodas. Oh no, it's a it's like 12 cans of one. Oh. Soda. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. It, if it's. It, Does it involve? Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to guess some flavor profiles. Um, yeah. basil. No. Okay. What, what kind of flavors do I like? I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever been like, man, I do like basil though. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> that's true. I like Thai basil, but this does not have basil. Hmm. I didn't have to go super out of my way to get this. Okay. Is it fruit? Does it have a fruit profile? If you squint, maybe. Uh, oh, it, it does. Yeah, it does. Is it? Does it have figs in it? No, no figs. I'm trying to think of <laughs> non-traditional ones. Uh, uh, is is it citrus? Yes, it has citrus in it. Okay. Um, is this a citrus that you would normally drink? Uh, yes, but that it has, it has a riff. Know. It has a riff, extra flavor that is not citrus. That then that's the part I'm excited about. Right, right. So it's like a citrus combined with a non-citrus thing. Yeah. Okay. So let me see if I can get the citrus portion here. Um. I feel like you would like blood orange. I would, but it is not blood orange. Okay. All right. You're going to have to. The citrus is pretty, pretty pedestrian. Okay. Lime, lemon. Yeah. Like that family. Yeah. Lemon, lime, whatever. And then the, the additional part is the part I'm excited about. Okay. Hit me. What is it? Flame and hot Mountain Dew. I am. That's right, because you are a spicy food person. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, I've, I was like, 
I, I didn't find it at one grocery store. And then I, I think I checked at Walmart first. They didn't have it. And then I saw it at a grocery store. And I was like, I, I guess I have to get this. I have oh to try it. Oh, my God. I think I remember seeing something about this online. Oh, God. Yeah. If if you could make a list of things that I would never drink, I think this would be towards the top of the oh, list. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very uh, feast or, sort of feast and famine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So right. without without further ado, I'm going to try it out. Yeah, this is... This is the first time I've ever tried this, so this is literally a live reaction. I also okay. really like flaming hot stuff. Like there was yeah, a flaming hot. I I really like. There was a flaming but, hot Reaper variant. Oh geez, no. The, the the my so here's my biggest issue with a flaming hot Cheetos is that I teach a bunch of instruments that you have to put your hands all over. Oh yeah, right. I am constantly telling my students to wash their hands. Yeah, or they are constantly having to go wash their hands because their fingers are bright red, and it's like, don't touch uh, the instrument with those fingers. Yeah, that's that's a, that makes it complicated. So, that's, so I'm kind of a little like PTSD'd out about flaming hot. So that like I sense. feel like I almost have to like go opposite it just for you know the amount that I have to talk about it and experience it every day. But anyway, sorry, go ahead, continue. Yeah. So and it's also probably that I haven't really touched magic cards in in years. Probably correlation. So I'm gonna try this out, see how it is. So I'm gonna. Right, gonna see. I'm probably not gonna drink the whole can because it's. I gotta sleep. Eventually. Oh yeah, caffeine and all. Yeah, I'm gonna try this, see how it is. So usually when I try like super hot stuff, like, you know, I did the one chip challenge. That was, some, that was a decision I did in. Yeah, in, you've done uh, that a couple times, COVID right? years. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not pleasant. The, the the second one was awful. The other one was not great, but the acidity. With because that one was just I think Reapers and whatever and mm-hmm. whatever it was sucked. So this one I'm gonna try to describe the flavor. I'm first gonna let it linger though. So, mm. yeah, it's good. So I kind of felt it in my nose a little bit, but I don't know if that was like this isn't really that spicy though. So it just it tastes like the spice that they use, but is not actually spicy. Yeah. I I mean, my heat tolerance is absurdly high, unfortunately. And and usually, like, if I'm tasting something and, like, it's kind of like, you know, how, like, royalty would have, like, you know, like, tasters or whatever. Tasters, right, right. Sometimes I do that for my wife, who has... A, a pretty normal spice tolerance, <laughs> right? Not, not, not your flame tolerance, your uh, yeah. tolerance. And if there's like doubt, like if you know it's something that could be spicy, I'm like, I'll try it out. Oh. And if it's like, if I <laughs> if I feel if I quote unquote feel spice, it's usually a danger sign. I'm right, saying. right. If you think it's okay, this has some stuff to it. It's like maybe we should stay away. I used yeah. to. Uh, I used to uh, go and order occasionally when I would order from like a Thai restaurant and they would ask like how much spice you would want. I would often tell them I want it quote white guy spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not actual spicy. Just yeah, white like, guy uh, spicy. And then it would put it at an appropriate level for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes We one time went to this Indian place that usually does a, uh, like a buffet. I don't know if that's like a big thing for like lunch buffets or if that's just a Midwest thing. But so usually when we would go there, they would do lunch buffets. But mm-hmm. we went for uh, my mom's birthday one time and it was 
uh, it was before we showed up, before me and my wife showed up. And so they ordered for the table, and they didn't have the buffet stuff out because this was like for dinner. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were just like, oh, we can spice this up. So I try it, you know, just like, I think some other people at the table, you know, we we're all family, they were trying it out. And I think I tried some, and I was like, I think someone said that it was spicy. I'm just like, uh-oh. So I try a little bit, and I'm just like, it was good. But I was just like, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I can feel the spice. This ain't... <laughs> It, I felt so bad too because I was just like, "This is good," but it's just like this. It's probably too spicy. She so tried you're the some. canary in the coal mine, pretty much. Yeah, I usually like. Usually, I can. I think I'm a decent gauge for other people in terms, of, and I didn't. So I could feel a little bit of spice, like flavor wise, but okay. I don't. Yeah, this isn't like. And I'm not really doing it to be macho or anything. Like I, you know, I talk about cats all the time. Like I don't think I'm really like a <laughs> macho type or anything. <laughs> Which sounds weird. Like you know, I, I like. I guess I'm a weird conundrum. But like, I don't. Like spicy food. That's okay. I just like spicy food. It's all. It's I, I've one of the things I've been liking a lot lately. I, I like how we've just gone so far from magic. By the way, what are the, <laughs> one of the what are the food things I've really liked. And it just came out of the blue. It's just out of the food ideas that I've had during quarantine. It's like we had this jar of, you know, just like peaches and syrup. And not, not peaches ran, and herb. No, no peaches and herb. No, it just uh, it's like peaches in like a light syrup with like ginger. And we're start. It was starting to, you know, it had been there for a while. And I was like, for men. <laughs> well, I don't, it hadn't gotten that far, thankfully. But it was just like. What if I pickle some habaneros and throw them in there? You know, just to see how the flavors would be. And it was like one of the best things I'd I'd had. Like it was it was incredible. Like nice, yeah. And so you know, I uh, you know cut the habaneros, like uh, deveined them because like a lot of the heat's in the the membrane, right. and then washed them a lot, which seems to help. And then, Are they insane? Uh, I mean, in the membrane, they they were uh, they. I'm trying to remember the lyrics to that song. Something about insane the, got the, no brain the, or whatever. The appro- right. The appropriate re- reply is insane in the brain. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one. But yeah, I tried them. Yeah. Um, yeah, the flavors really worked together. I had, yeah. I had it with ice cream, and it was really good. And and yeah, very cool. I think of where that came from. Where that whole thing about spice. I don't know. I also feel like it has kind of gone with my cube ideology of just like not being tied to certain ideas. Like sometimes people would be like, I don't want to put, they tend to think of some, people can get caught in the trap sometimes of just thinking of cards or ideas for magic ideas, kind of like with a one track. Like who would think to mix habaneros and peach? Because they have kind of a fruity flavor, and they worked out together. Sometimes you yeah, got to... I, uh, I, I only will eat pineapple on my pizza if I pair it with jalapenos or another like spicy pepper. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good mix. Like, I don't want the sweetness by itself. 
Yeah. Yeah, that I becomes a bit cloying. The heat. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's the yin and the yang, man. Exactly. The black yeah. and white together, the Orzov Orzov? 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 Yeah, I think I think I always pronounce it Orzov. I think it's I think it's technically Orzov. I, I can't do it. Yeah, because I look at the Z H and I think of the Z sound. Oh yeah. With the soft J, right? The I mean, I guess that's like Slavic, right? Yeah, like Eastern European for sure. Like yeah. or I you know, this from this new set that came out recently, the uh the what in my mind used to be the Zenterim, it's but it's like Z H E N. So I'm like in my mind it's like retcon to oh, is it Zenterim? Which is like, you know, one of the old like D and D like bad guy factions. Oh, okay. Okay. So that one kind of slipped my mind. So that's yeah. one of the uh, one of the things I've uh, seen recently because I think there is uh, Genterim Bandit was in this most recent set. Oh right, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm um, like my mind was like, oh, am I pronouncing it wrong? Ultimately, I don't know how to pronounce things because I didn't come up with them. Only yeah. I think the person. See, this actually says Zahentarim according to the Forgotten Realms wiki. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. That's huh. Okay. They were man, they were Manchun's. Who was like Manchun was like Elminster's like big rival. Oh, yeah. that, that seems like a good card, by the way. Elminster. Yeah, that card's sweet. So like all the planeswalkers are kind of sweet. Not going to lie. Yeah. I was, you know, we had recently talked about, uh, Minsk and boo online. Like, and I gotta tell you, after playing with it a little bit, I kind of want to try it. I, I had one, I opened it as my promo in the, uh, for the pre-release for the commander legends pre-release. And, uh, I just decided my build my deck around it and it was pretty good. And yeah. even though obviously that's two different formats, I kind of, I, I always kind of, take my uh, uh what i learn from playing with or against cards in other formats and you know try to apply that knowledge towards how they might play out in cube and mm-hmm. i i was convinced enough to try to give it a, a run but uh but that's not necessarily what we you know we're talking about today even though we are talking about multicolor but you know you have to figure out to kind of go back to our original topic like what what is the function of multicolor um, yeah. What you, a lot of people have large multicolor sections. I I personally enjoy a larger multicolor section than most people. I think um, some people keep it really high and tight. You know, only uh, a, a few cards per color. And we're talking not about necessarily guild identity, right? So I'm not talking about lands or, or mana producers or things like that. I'm talking about specific like this card when you cast it counts as multiple colors. Yeah, like it's it's the symbols in the upper right corner. Right. Kind of and yeah. you know, even though yeah, Loam Lion and Kurt Ape and et cetera, like those are multicolor cards for the most part. But you know, but what is it that when we talk about cards like uh Zer the Enchanter or uh Master Biomancer or things like that, is uh, what do we want the role of and I think that's something you have to do as a cube designer, is what role do you want multicolor to fill in your cube? Yeah, um, and I think like in the beginning, because I, I don't know, I, I somehow re-remembered, you know, just like the early days of Cube, and you know, just like the origins of uh, when people first were designing their Cube, it was very like strictly regimented, or it's just like 
all these sections had to be the same, and they were very inelastic, very like you know fifty Wooberg, fifty multicolor, and then like one of each of the tricolor kind of thing. And there really wasn't, and also options were a lot more limited in like two thousand two. Oh yeah, there's been a few more cards printed since then. Yeah, just yeah, just a few more cards. <laughs> but it's just like. Uh, at least with, like when I did the Ravnica cube, um, you know, because Ravnica was all about the multicolor cards. Sure. Was like one of the ideas I had was not necessarily um, strictly even multicolor because that's one thing I always did in my cubes was just like all the color, all the multicolors were just flat, the same. You know, just like if there was five Celestia, there was five. Is it cards or whatever? Yeah, well, I mean, you try to make it, you know, mathematically clean or, you know, there, there's a – we crave, as humans, we crave patterns and organization and yeah. things like that, right? So that's a very, I think, natural place to start in your development. Yeah, and I think, like, eventually I was – I think my idea at first was to have it be uneven and then adjust, which was, again – kind of hard to do with with an online project but eventually it's just like i'll do it as is and then just if if i need to adjust more so be it but i ended up having them not be even and that was fine like i think like you said i think it's something people tend to crave in as a kind of a blueprint as kind of like a yeah i think blueprint's a good word for it kind of like you do xyz and then I think in the beginning, too, with cube design, it was kind of hard to, because of lack of options, and I think kind of as well due to kind of more of an infancy in kind of cube design in general, it was kind of harder to kind of know where you wanted your color pairs to go and see how that played a role in in the meta, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it was, you know, look, Cube started out and, you know, for a lack of a better term, there is still a, an element. I think it will always have an element of like, hey, these are the best cards in these colors, in these color pairs. So that's what we're going to play. Now, granted, yeah. that still applies to even if you have like themed cubes or whatever that might be. It's still, hey, these are the best cards or whatever that meet these criteria, right? These are still the best cards that fit into this theme. These are the best cards that fit into this flavor, this format, these restrictions. But in the beginning, it was certainly like, hey, well, there are five Selesnia cards that are, you know, decent. So those are the five I'm going to play. Yeah, yeah, I, good I on the lack of options certainly played into that of like, I can't really use these cards to season the flavor as much of my cube because there's not really that many. I only have like salt, pepper, sugar, oregano, red pepper flakes. That's basically yeah. all I have for my five things. Your five spices, yeah. Right, those are my five spices. So I have to kind of like make do with those because that's all that I have. And now we're at a point where you can use the multicolor section, I think, uh, to do a few different things, right? Just it can be, hey, these are just like the best ones. You can still take that approach. Or maybe it's, hey, I get to push this sort of archetype, right? Um, 
for example, I really like blink decks. And so a lot of my blue white cards, you know, tend to air, you know, go towards the blink archetypes or towards, you know, obviously it's a, it's a common control pairing, right? So you can do it that way. However, you could also use those if you wanted to, let's say, make it a tempo oriented color pair, right? Mm-hmm. You can use those multicolor cards to, to reinforce that. Or maybe in the case of something like Xur, going back to our preview, like maybe it's, Hey, here is an archetype by itself that is supported by this multicolor card that this is a, you know, shown as a flagship card on its own. That's what these multicolor cards are here to do. Yeah. I think the idea that I was kind of thinking about with the idea of kind of letting your multicolor sections kind of guide decks is uh, like Geist of St. Traft, where I think a lot of, and I think that's by design of the the archetype itself, blue-white, being very traditionally control oriented you know mm-hmm. just like a lot and it has a lot of strengths that naturally play into it like there's good wraths good yeah, counter magic and sweepers yeah and then like planeswalkers you know resilient threats that can that don't get hit by your wraths and then like other cards that don't get hit by rats like you know artifacts or whatever and i think geist of saint traft is a good example of a card that kind of runs against that grain and in theory, you can use that to signpost to drafters. Like, you can... It's something I've kind of always thought of as a... Uh, as kind of a tenet of Cube, is there's always going to be levels... You know, everything's not going to be power level, you know, just completely flat, but there's going to be differences between, like, what's your Cube's best card and your worst card. But in theory... You know, every card in your cube should have a, I call it a mission statement, but kind of like you look at a card in a cube and it's like, this is what its role is and you can do well with it. Or he's right. like, this and is I what think it's you, for. Right. And I think uh, on, on the same, we're, we're on the other side of that same coin. I think that's something you need, you need to potentially be careful about is that if you are just willy nilly throwing in multicolor cards for archetypes that don't exist, or support that's not there. I think you can lead people down a bad path for uh, what it is that they want to be doing. Um, what is the Mardu card that when you sack a creature, it gets abilities? I was going to say, was it was that Butcher of the Horde? Yes, Butcher of the Horde. That's exactly okay. what it is. Thank you for remembering the uh, the name of it. Because I can remember the name of the card as long as I'm not actively talking about it. Oh yeah, yeah was- once I start once I start actually talking about it, then I'm like, you know, the card. It's like you know the demon, and you sacrifice creatures. You know, it's got flying. It's a five four for four, and you know you sack it to sack things to give it other. I could describe it perfectly well, but I can't actually ever remember the name. So like when I see something like, for example, if I'm opening a pack and I see butcher of the heart, butcher of the horde, I am probably thinking that there is probably a an aristocraty archetype available, right? Yeah, like, and I think that too can kind of vary um, based on the cube too. Like, I think Master Biomancer uh, can its its power can very be very dependent on the texture of removal in your format. Like, if you 
if you can't really play it onto a board without it dying very soon. Right, immediately to everything. Yeah, versus if you can rely on it living for a turn cycle or two. And I think like Butcher the Horde also kind of depends on like its role kind of can depend on the rest of the format where it might just be a big above rate finisher that isn't necessarily uh, and like a sacrifice card as it is just a big on rate finisher, if that makes sense. But even then, like if you don't have cards that make tokens, if you don't have cards that do those sort of things, right? That's maybe a little more subtle thing. But when I look at a card like that, because here's the thing, if, if we're, if someone's playing this three color card, there's probably not many three color cards in that for each, you know, three color grouping. Yeah. in that triad. Yeah. So to me, if they're playing this card, as opposed to maybe some of the other ones that signals to me that, Hey, this is a, an extension of them building that archetype. Um, when you were talking about Geist of St. Traft, for example, I thought it, I thought of an even like more over the head example of something like Empyrean Eagle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I'm guessing there is a spirit deck or a flying tempo deck in blue white, which is why this card is in here. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, if it's just in there because you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I don't know. I have some cards that have flying. Like, I think that can trip people up and make people have a kind of a, a bad experience because they, they may be looking for cards and looking for things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something, too, to be to be kind of aware of yeah. from from both the, the designer and the drafter POV is just like... Right. I, I, if I draft Xur and then have trouble getting artifact uh, enchantments that are three or less just because there weren't that many in there, and it's just like, what? Why? Like... Why am I running this particular three color card as opposed to, you know, I don't know, a random dragon that costs three or the Sphinx that at least gets you cascades or any number of other things, you know, like that's very much an archetype signaler. So I think you can use these to point people in interesting paths, you know, like as signposts, I think, like you said, of, hey, you can draft this deck in my cube. But also, you have to be careful that if you put it in there and say, "Hey, you can draft this deck of my cube," and then it, but it doesn't really exist because it's not supported, might be a problem. You know, if there's Jackal Pup, but there's no other one drops. Yeah, I think that's like our classic example of this. Just like you see a one drop, and it's like, oh, okay. I, I, you're not first picking a one drop, but it's like, say you're like, you're on that path, and then. You're, you kind of start that way, and you're just like, hey, I think I'm going to play an aggro deck, and it's just not there, and you're like, uh-oh. Because then it's just like, now what? What am I supposed to do with these cards? It's just like, can I... Do I just throw, do I just abandon ship and then try to do something else, or am I able to use those in something? Right. And I think, like, Xur is probably, like... I think that, too, can kind of make you wonder, like... And that might just be another one of those things like, uh, you know, the drafter versus designer POV. Like, how many of those would you want, like, targets would you want in a deck? Cause that's, that's the old thing about GTA, you know, like, you got me on board. Or not GTA, sorry, Stoneforge Mystic. It's just like, ah. what's better than one GTA is having two. two. It's like, oh, okay, right. nice. It's just like, what's the... Because uh, I think GTA is... Or <laughs> Stoneforge, sorry. It's <laughs> is, is a good example of... 
generally whenever I'm playing Stoneforge, it's either I have a really good target or a a decent package. Like, you know, I just have like a GTA or like a bone splitter and a a war gear or something. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, it's just like where do you go from there? It's like one pat one versus the other. And it's kind of like where what's the sample or what how much would you want in a deck for Xur, you know, to be worth playing or like what kind of deck would you want Master Biomancer in? And your cube meta might be that you don't want Zer. I mean, um, either of those really. But I think, I think Zer is a, is an example of a card that may not be as linear as it might look, because at least because of white, because of you know like oh rings and whatever. But I think mm-hmm. it kind of hinges on white more than say black or blue. Right. And right, it might be just like a value creation engine. Maybe they just just like Omen of the Sea and a bunch of things like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just like get get some O rings and my my brain keeps going O ring, but I mean it's a, it's a nice classic. So you know, get your get some detention spheres out there, go to town. And I think that's kind of a thing, kind of like with uh, peaches and habaneros. Ah. I think ooh. That's a really spicy hot pepper, but it's got it's got a nice flavor, nice uh, fruity flavor. Did it reignite your love for food? It did. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It, I think it was definitely one of those moments when I when I made that. I was just like, "Wow, this is incredible." Did you think of Obnixilis while you were doing it? I, I did not. I'm sorry. <laughs> neither version, neither uh, the old or the new one, which reignited and it feels so good. It did feel good. Oh man, yeah. Well, it uh, you know, and we'll have to. I think in the future, we'll we'll have to. Hopefully, in the near future, here we'll have to do uh, a little talk here. A little go into a little more about multicolor because I would love to have a uh, hybrid mana versus multicolor discussion someday. Mm-hmm. Those I, I was, I was so glad, you know, when I when at least I think the Ravnica Cube when I did that and had you know just like a bunch of hybrid stuff in there, I think that really did help that experience. But I think yeah, hybrid. I, I just want more hybrid cards. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I want I want is it Guildmage to be good? I, right. I, I remember looking at that card so much. You know that goofy wizard being like, "Can't you be good?" I still look at Rakdos Guild Mage and be like, huh? Yeah, it was. Or, I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, or Azorius Guild Mage. Yeah, Azorius Guild Mage. Yeah, there was a time where they were playable for sure. Or Plume Veil. Yeah. Oh man, Plume Veil. What a vicious beating that card was in that draft format. <laughs> yeah. Or even in the, even when people started playing it in like the control decks, you're like, all right. I'm attacking, and they're like, ha-ha, 4-4. Four, four. Block yeah, your like, dumb crap. You have a figure of destiny that you can turn into a 2-2? Two, two? Okay. Here's a 4-4. <laughs> four, four. It's just like, kill your attacker. It's just like one of those things that's nice about those kind of flash creatures, which is uh, uh, yeah, one of my favorite keywords of all time. It's just like... Oh, flash is great. Yeah, it's like, if it does its job and it survives, if it doesn't it just ate a removal spell, and it's like, okay, that's fine. Right. But you if it did... two for one. Yeah, and if it survives, 
it was like I ate your creature. It's like, hey, I got a free four four, and a wall, <laughs> and this other and this, and this little piece of cardboard that does something. Right, it's a lot. But I think that it's like, it's like multicolor. You can definitely do a lot. I think like Geist, you can use that as an example of something where you can have that be kind of the standalone card in a sea of multicolor. I mean, mm-hmm. a sea of like control cards, which is like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like if that's yeah, the- I mean, you can play it as a control finisher. You just obviously don't play it on turn three. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely sideboarded my fair share of like of geese in versus. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, here's this. I'll mana leak your card. You know, just you play essentially the fish plan of you know deploying it on like turn five with like some counter magic, and it's like, right, okay, right. can't deal with this. You're dead now. But right, six at a time is a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's just a lot of damage. And I think that's like a master biomancer too. I think can kind of lead you to oh, it's going to get out of control really quickly. Yeah, like it can do a lot with that. And I think it's like these are questions that you can kind of ask yourself as you know, cube designer or if you're drafting a new cube or just a cube in general, it's just like what kind of signals am I getting, you know, or what or what kind of signals am I giving to my drafters and like what kind of experience and like what kind of decks can I make and you know do well with or you know that people are drafting and enjoying and whatever. And I think it's oh. like it's a lot. And speaking of Master Biomancer, for those of you wondering, I forgot to mention it is getting downshifted because you know it oh, was right, a yeah, and so it is. It is now a rare. So yeah, I thought I thought I, I thought it was because I remember it was wasn't it worth a pretty penny? I don't know. It, At I mean, one it's, point, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a cool build around card. So yeah, it's a nifty little nifty little dude. Yeah, it, it is because uh, it was a mythic in the commander decks. It was a mythic uh, in Gate Crash, um, mm-hmm. and so it is now going to be rare. Not that that changes anything for like you know peasant pauper ramifications. Yeah. Is is there a format? Can we come up with a name for like a format of only rares and only no mythics? Is there is there um, a format for that yet? You probably could probably call it like. Can we call king. it like Duke? Right, can't yeah. be King, right? Because King's the highest. Can we call it like uh, a Duke? Um, but then Duke kind of sounds like it might be a poop reference. Um, you got Duchess or something? Uh, yeah, I'm Duchess. I don't know. Some sort of way. It's like ra- uh, rarity restriction, but only rares, so no mythics allowed. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess. The reason I was thinking king is because, like, emperor, I guess, could be the highest role. But I think in most monarchies, I think it's just king and queen. Right, right. So like king. Right. So then, you know, king, queen, I'm trying to think, like... Prince? Uh, prince. Well, yeah, that I mean, prince and pauper, that goes... I, I like prince. Yeah. We can play magic like it's 1999. Yeah, I was just going to say, as soon as you say it, you're just going to have somebody <laughs> think of that. Yeah. All I want is your... Extra time in your Amisha's kiss. Oh yeah, draw some cards. Is that what that card was called? <laughs> yeah, I think it was like okay. what four a white and a blue. You like draw, you gain three life, and you draw a card or draw two cards. A kiss of the Amisha. Yeah, yeah, not Amisha's yeah. kiss. <laughs> yeah, I think it was something like that. I, yeah. It's been a while since I played that. There are. I, I did it. I did it quick. There are actually ten cards with kiss in the name. That seems low. How, how many can you name? 
So we, we already got Kiss of the Amisha. All right, oh, give me vampires, some more. Vampire's Kiss has to be one of them because I think yes, it Vampire's Kiss, up. yes. That's two. Uh, I feel like one of them's like a vampire flavored one because I think I looked that up too recently. It's like. I think it's like a vampire Voldaren kiss or something, or a kiss of the Voldaren or something. Mm. Something mm. like that. Falkenrath? Well, nope, nope. All right, I give up. You give up already? <laughs> You're supposed to play this game. How about the one? There's one from Throne of Eldraine. Oh, true love's kiss. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Three, three. Good, good. As, as like, I remember that because you could use it to kill Revenge of Ravens. Right. Otherwise, you would just cry. There, there, there's one recently from Modern Horizons too. Uh oh. It's something you do when you express that you really like something. Uh. Like hat. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is like happy kiss. That's not a magic <laughs> card name. So it's something often done when they talk about food and how much you like food. Uh, I was gonna say hunger is kiss, but it's that's like a, it's a you do you do. There's a little hand motion you can do when you do it. Uh, put the put your all your fingers in front of your mouth. Oh. Chef's kiss? Yes, there you go. That's four. That's a, that was a card. Yeah, it's from Modern Horizons too. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't remember. I remember that card had a lot of busted cards and not. <laughs> I don't remember not Chef's, chef's kiss. kiss. Right. Not chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm still trying to think of that vampire one though. So it's All not right. like it's not vampire. It, it am I at least on the right path though so with the whole? There, there is there there are no. Uh, uh, vampire. Other than that one, there are none that specifically refer to vampires tribes. Uh, there is a snake flavored one. Oh, I think like Venom, Venom's Kiss or something. That doesn't sound Viper's right. Viper's Kiss. Viper's Kiss. That's from Theros. It's the uh, aura that oh. the creature gets minus one, minus one, and can't activate. Okay. 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 That, that. There's there's an old one from uh, Ice Age. Soul Kiss. I remember that one. Yeah, Soul With Kiss. The, well, if you remember that one, you should have said it earlier. I just remembered it now. <laughs> just remembered it now. This was the weird drain life. They could pay right. red to, uh, to deal one just from, damage. There's one from Weatherlight that Weatherlight. has Miri in the artwork. Oh, my goodness. It's an aura. You enchant a creature, and then you pay one and exile the top card of your graveyard, and enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I totally should remember this. Like oh, one in a green. One in a green. Jeez. I don't know. I'm going to say nature's kiss. Correct. No. Nature's kiss. What? what? That's correct. <laughs> what? There is uh, last kiss. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, the deal to you gain to. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from, uh, that is, uh, a card that people probably don't remember that much from Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah, it was like one of those. It was one of those like small removals, like the mm-hmm. arrow card. All right, so here's one I did not know 
because it is from Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander Legends. Uh oh, I don't. I barely remember this set. <laughs> I mean, it just came out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't remember. <laughs> it is called Death Kiss. It's a actually a creature card. It's a beholder. What? what? Yes, sir. So five and a red beholder Death Kiss. You get a, five, a red five. Yep. A red beholder. A red beholder. Whenever what? a creature an opponent controls attacks one of your opponents, double its power until end of turn. It has XX red monstrosity X. Oh. And when it becomes monstrous, goad up to X target creatures your opponents control. Oh, okay. So you make them all attack each other, and they all get double power when they attack. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's lots of little, goading uh, in this in this set. It did feel like, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... And there's one final one from Portal. Oh, jeez. Portal, Portal Second Age. Oh, man. Which is Kiss of Death. Oh, oh yeah. Does that, is that like Melissa Benson art? It is Melissa Benson art. Good call. I remember, I remember that art now, yeah. Ember, it's like... Is it like destroy something and like they take three or something? It is four to the face or planeswalker you gain four. Oh, so it's like Solfees? Correct. It's Solfees, but you can also target planeswalkers with it. I don't know if Solfees got retconned to being able to target planeswalkers or not. I, don't, I feel like it would, but let's double check through the. Yeah, card I'm looking right now. Nope. This what? just says target. It's just target player. Oh, because oh, it's life loss. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Loses four life and you gain four life. So this zombie's just like scalping this guy. Yeah. He's he's literally pulling off his toupee. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So he's just gonna That's what it looks like to me. I don't know. I agree. I just never thought of it that way. I I mean, I'm sure it's supposed to be uh <laughs> more intense than that, but Yeah. Nice toupee, buddy. It looks to me like he's like, nice rug, dude. Oh, he lost the rug. But it's not a zombie. It's a vampire. Look at the paper text. So is that supposed to be Sengir vampire? No, it's... Oh, well, I guess he is a Sengir vampire. Nice. But, like, the original Soul Feast I remember is the one from Urza's block. Yeah, the one was on a, ta- a table. Yeah, it was like, just nobody wanted at the table. Yeah, he's like... Oh. oh wait, is that a Phyrexian logo on his on his hat? Oh, I don't know. I don't. My resolution on this picture is not good enough. I I, I checked Scryfall and just zoomed in on my phone. I think it's a Phyrexian logo on his hat. Okay. All right. Now I have to look. That's right, folks. You came here for this hot cube discussion, and we're talking about what people are wearing on their skull caps. <laughs> but he's got a Phyrexian logo on his collar. He's Phyrexian all over. Maybe that's why nobody wanted to eat with him. He'd be like. Well, because they didn't come back for, they never came back for a second time. They were not like the cat. They didn't come back the next day. Oh, came back the very next day. And the dinner guest came back the very next day. That's, that guy's decked out. Is this the same guy who was just like, nobody remembered it was my birthday? It does look like the Phyrexian thing on his, on his head, but I, I, but I think that, line runs all the way back it looks like it runs over the top of it but maybe that was very intentional could be 
We'll have to add Discovery Logo. Uh, yeah, Carnival of Souls. Yeah, it's the same guy. He's like, nobody thought remembered it was my birthday. Yeah, that guy's that guy's got rough. Nobody remembers birthday. Nobody came over for dinner. Nobody likes this guy. Oh yeah, that's right. It is the same guy with the same skull cap. Give him a cake. Davel or whatever his name is. Davel. One is his staff is uh, looks like the Frexian logo a little bit. Yeah, it does. Maybe he used branding himself too hard with the Frexian stuff. Oh, maybe. They were like, we don't want to go to his place. We'll get the oil. (laughs) (laughs) You come around here, you get the oil. All right, so I'm looking up. I, I just did a little flavor search. There are eight cards where lore includes Davil. No. Is he, like, sad in all of them? Well, uh, I'm trying to see if he's on the picture. He's on Encroach. That's him on Encroach. Oh, okay. Okay. Although he looks a little more villainous on Encroach. He looks a little more advanced. His teeth. I, I remember his teeth just are like. He's the, it says he is the Evancar of Wrath. Or like, I don't have anything actually. Or like Evan. Yeah, all the other one, all the other ones say Evan Car of Wrath, but it's funny because Soul, the the two we looked at made him seem kind of sad. Yeah, and yeah, he maybe he was just having a bad day. Well, that's okay. We all have bad days. However, the scourges were uh, quite edible if properly seasoned. Hmm. That's that's the flavor text on Slinking Scourge. How do you Davil encouraged the scourges. They made excellent centuries and were quite edible if properly seasoned. Is that like chapter five of yeah. the? Apparently, the he book? eats a lot because ravenous rats. He mentions eating the rats too. For all the priceless tomes they have destroyed, one would think they would taste better. Wow, maybe that's why nobody came over. It's like this yeah, guy's got weird people. Rats. <laughs> I mean, sewer rat may taste like pumpkin pie, but I don't know, because I wouldn't eat the filthy. <laughs> I think that's, he probably was trying to sell people on the pumpkin pie aspect. Right. It tastes like pumpkin pie, man. Just try it. <laughs> like, this guy's weird. <sighs> here's your, uh, here's your uh, lore section of the program. <laughs> this is what you get when you listen to Third Power. You get... Yes. Soda, you get tangents. Tangents. I wonder if maybe with like as an April Fool's d- joke, we just record just straight, straight cube talk, nothing else. Right. O- only talk about like numbers and metrics, and only and, and like stop each other. Like if you mention something else, we're like uh uh uh. Mm. Right, well, we got stay on topic. We got stay on topic. Stay on topic. Right. Nope. That's, not, that's not what the show's about. And we gotta get the gotta get the. Uh, we, we're yeah. not allowed to mention cards that have cats on them. No. Why would you want to talk about cats? <laughs> no musical references. No. That sounds. That would be awful. This doesn't sound. I don't. <laughs> right. That'd be. That'd be so weird. And I can't laugh. That'd be. That'd be. Oh right. No giggling. Oh. Oh geez. I would be completely stone faced. Like yes. We what would have to card. do like an adult beverage episode where you'd have to uh, imbibe every time you giggled. Oh geez, that would make it worse. Oh yeah. Oh no, you would. We would have to call paramedics. Oh yeah, I'd be. <laughs> I would be. This is... 
They have to get Chrono to help. Like, hey, take the land. Oh, that's another thing, too, I thought about with multicolor, too. It's just like, just uh, if you have a... Make sure your lands can support your multicolor. And, and <laughs> don't be afraid to put in lands. Lands are yeah, sweet. Man. Lands are great. You know what's better than, you know, in in the scale of things, casting your spells is better than not casting your spells. I was supposed to you know what's great? Mulliganing. Oh. <laughs> you know what's great about playing cards? Having less of them. Oh, wait. <laughs> Looking at your opening hand. Shoot. Looking at your opening hand and seeing... They can't cast anything. It's like right. That makes it that makes your mulligans easier, though. Oh, that's true. You're just like, yeah, this hand sucks. Next. Yeah, it's just like you don't have to think about what's my game plan. You know, can I? How does my game plan match up versus theirs? Uh, it's just like, oh, oh, okay. Right. So it's like, oh, I can't do anything, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, this, this game's easy. <laughs> no, nope, no thinking involved. Count to cut the zero. <laughs> Oh, oh god! <laughs> yeah, lands are sweet. Just right. uh, take Chrono Saint. Uh, any uh, anything else? You, uh, I, I want to thank Wizards again for the the free previews. Double Masters looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually very much looking forward to drafting it. I really enjoyed the last one, and for all of the uh, you know common uh, things that people had to say about it, the set it was just. Out, outrageous and it was a lot of fun and it looks like this one's going to have just a bunch of aesthetic choices that can be made too from what we've seen and like i said we've only seen a little bit of it from uh what's been spoiled so far plus what we've seen uh in the different treatments so uh there's there's going to be a lot of aesthetic choices for people out there and i'm i'm curious to see what else is going to be reprinted this is going to be fun to see what uh people will be able to get for their cubes so yeah I'm ex- I'm excited. Like, yeah, I think these. Uh, if anything, I I really like how these look. The you know gold plated treatment. I think that's it's a nice solid choice. Yeah, they look nice. I, I the the master biomancer in particular looks real sweet. It does. Yeah, it's a it's a nice one. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to it. And this is really, I, I say this after like every episode because it always is, but this has just been fun, man. Yeah. Like I said, and and hopefully uh you know, we always say this after episode episode 2 is that, you know, we want to try to find some time to do this more, but hopefully coming out of the pandemic here, um uh, being able to actually do some cubing uh w- would be is is the goal. And and here's to both of us getting a chance to to get, to being able to do it real soon. Even if we don't, even if we don't get a chance to cube, like oh, can, I have plenty, yeah. oh, I have plenty to talk about and plenty of thoughts about magic and yeah. cube in particular. So uh, and the way things are going and what to do. So we'll uh, for sure we'll we'll be doing some more of this real soon. Back in my day, oh, oh yeah, oh please, that's I feel like that's everything now for me. Is back in my day, we I've done a lot of talking about the way magic used to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. So. Weird little thing. Uh, do you know who did the art for the uh, alt art Tasha? Uh, off the top of my head, no. Gerald Brom. Like related to Brom Brom? No, the, that's the Brom. Yeah, that's his, that's his full name, Gerald Brom. Oh, they put yeah. his first name on there? Well, they just put Brom, but I mean that's oh. that's who did the art. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, that was just great. like I was like what. 
I didn't even notice till till I think I forget how I found out, but I was just like, "What?" And then I don't. I mean, most I think most of my Twitter timeline may have been too young to know who who Brom was, but I was just like, "What?" I think Shivam Shivam. Well, it's the it's the special version, right? Not the regular yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fancy one. Yeah, that's so cool. I was like, "Dude, that's so cool!" I didn't know Brom was still around. Yeah, still look is. at that now. So, yeah, awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, it was like one of those back in my day. Gerald Brom did Platinum Angel. I have a couple of Brom signed cards. Whoa, dude, that's cool. And, it's and kind of- now, I'm gonna I'm gonna type it in and see if it's uh, if I have it if I'm thinking about it correctly. Who who's the uh, the big eight mana golem that you sacrifice other artifacts to do damage? Oh, George W. Bosch. Yes, Bosch, Iron Golem. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a Brahm artwork too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I have assigned my my former cube uh I mean it's no longer in my cube, but my Bosch from my cube is actually a Brahm signed card. Wow. That's I, cool. I got a couple I got a couple Brahmies, a couple Brahm That's... signatures, I think. Yeah. It's kind of cool like sometimes like you know Donato, Donato Giancola, you know seeing him do art he did some. I know he did had some pieces in uh, Kamigawa, or and, like uh, when uh, Rebecca Gay came back and and did some artwork. Like her artwork is always insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gay Gay. I don't know. I, I think it's pronounced Gay. Yeah. Again, I can't be trusted to pronounce to pronounce things like Mark Poole. You know, just like seeing stuff like that too. It's like back oh in yeah, that, that day. Mark Poole secret layer was so cool. Yeah. Dan Frazier. The Dan Frazier one was cool, too. I always like how you can tell Ron Spencer art immediately. Mm-hmm. It's, like, so stylistic. It's like, oh. Or Mark Teden. It's like, everything looks like a brain. But it looks so good. <laughs> Did he draw any of the brain cards from the new uh, set? I don't. I don't there's know. Couple, there's a couple brainy-looking cards from the new set. Uh, Thought Devour. Uh, Not Thought Devour. That's from Odyssey Block. Um, yeah. Mine. Devour. Uh, whatever the bio box promo, the black card that's the bio box promo. Oh, I current set looks like a brain. I don't know. I don't. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound familiar. At least, sorry. Wow, Mark Teden did the fancy sword supplashers from uh, Strixhaven. Oh wow! Yeah. That's nifty. That's nifty. Man. That's old, old, old people. <laughs> the old fogies. Talk about some more old stuff, Boomer. I mean, yeah. Elder Brain. That's what it's called. Elder Brain? That's the, got- that's the bio box promo. Is there Krang? Elder Brain. Where's the uh, Shredder? Otherwise Bone known Shredder? as Old Head. Oh. By the way, Ledger Shredder, that's a, another heck of a card that was printed recently. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey. Yeah. I had fun I, I don't even want to get talking about the, the potential for, like, uh, I, I recently picked up a couple of uh, Displacer Kittens. Oh, shoot. I talked about cats. Oh, no. <laughs> Our April Fools. Oh, it's uh, Elder Brain is done by Darkin. Yeah, Darkin's good. Speaking of older artists, 
Yeah. They've been around for a while. Yeah. Ooh, the, the promo is done by Nino is, and I'm waiting for the last word. Nino is an artist. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair. You got me. All right. Well, is there anything you want to, uh, plug, get people looking your direction, get people talking to you, share some details, man. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I got some articles to do, but yeah, I, I don't know. I talk on Twitter. And where can they find your stuff if they want to read your other stuff? Uh, so, um, I write articles for, uh, gathering magic or cool stuff, Inc. I think it's, I should, I should totally know the name of the site that I write for and have for like several years. Yeah. It's cool stuff, Inc. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah. So right for the, I, I have a link tree too on my Twitter, um, at Usman the red where I don't know. I, I mainly just look post cats right now, but occasionally I talk about cube and magic and, and whatnot. I think, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people just expect their their magic personalities to be one dimensional, or just they expect their personalities, the people they follow on Twitter to be monochromatic. And you know, we're humans; we have various facets. We're multicolor. Oh, yeah, I like that, that for a callback. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How do you like that for a callback? Wow. <laughs> wow. That was not. That wasn't even planned. I, I just. That was nice. That was very. Yeah. That was, it was very organic. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I post on Twitter at Usman the Red about magic and things and whatnot. Uh, we post podcasts every once in a while. I'm hoping we get some more that aren't just previews, but you know, we definitely appreciate the opportunity to to be part of the preview season. Oh yeah. It, it's it's something I, I coincidentally posted on Twitter. You know, I've been um a very long fan of uh Game Grumps. They you know they're a, sh- a show on YouTube. Uh, do like essentially commentary when playing games. A lot of it's just kind of improv which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been a fan for, I don't know how many years, but it was just like being in the same preview season as like Aaron Hansen, someone who's, you know, part of game grumps and, you know, has been a fan of for years. And it just feels so, again, feels so surreal. surreal. It is. But I mean, that's, it's a good word. It's so humbling, I guess is another word amazing it's just a lot of things that are just really cool it's cool but that doesn't really encompass it whatever it's it's great it's <laughs> it's great it's just great but how do you really feel i feel good <laughs> i knew that yeah. you would oh yeah but yeah it's um yeah, hopefully we'll do some other episodes about more kind of, uh, you know, when we when we uh, talk about magic and whatnot. And if you if you all appreciate the the pod the tangents and whatever that we talk about, I mean, it's it kind of comes organically. Like we don't script this. Like we're going to talk about, you know, we have points in our outline. It's just like we're going to talk about soda. But oh yeah, there's literally the only off-topic thing on here says soda. Yeah, soda. <laughs> And the rest of this is just organic, and it's just like I think it's kind of woven into the the idea of this of this podcast is just kind of like I mean we could be very serious talking about, and it's a lot of my writing is very stoic and just very just dry, and 
the podcast is a lot more of just like, you know, just two buddies talking about magic and yes, hopefully, the hopefully, gathering yeah. on the podcast. And hopefully it's entertaining to you all. Otherwise, why are you still listening? But, <laughs> I mean, you could have just tuned out hours ago, but you know, whatever. But I mean, <laughs> it's it's always really nice that you know people and you know the people do enjoy this, and you know, well, and and if social media or you know all the new content and stuff that's being created that's being created you know things like critical role things like all this other stuff there is a, people I, I think in general just enjoy watching people enjoy each other's company yeah and I mean, enjoy it's nice. being, it's a, in, being in the room you know the room where it happens yeah it's a good feeling it's it is nice and we thank you for being part of being part yeah. of uh, being along for the journey. And if you want to be along for more of my journey, you can find me at Anthony 42 on Twitter. You can said, if you want to see me uh, do the old man yelling at clouds thing that apparently I'm uh, settling into my role nicely as I age like a fine wine. Uh, you can find those on cube Cobra. Um, they are, uh, there's basically an article for individual cards. There's four of them up so far. I believe the first one was about the aforementioned Jackal Pup. One of them was about the aforementioned Flame Tongue Kavu. So Ooh. you can, you can go and find those there. Uh, they were really fun to write. I got to do uh, a good bit of research on them and, and finding some, uh, historical documents, <laughs> historical documents. He cited oh, yeah. historical documents. In other words, old tournament uh, reviews on old wizards websites, like defunct 2000 and 2001 wizards.com pages from the sideboard.com. Oh yeah. You know? I recently found some of the old pages from MTG Ontario of the, yeah. I remember looking for those forever and then finally finding them this year. And I was just like, you know, they're archived and I was just like, I finally found it. And like, Again, it's one of those things where, you know, most of the kids probably don't care, and that's fine. But I was just like, oh my god, I finally found it. Oh, and you know, that's that's another topic we could talk about would be the evolution of Cube and kind of where it started and where it's where it is now. So, yeah, we can e we can even do something about that. So, well, hey man, like you said, this has been a great time. We need to do more of this. Yeah, the the urge and the need to talk about magic and talk about that is uh, the as I'm starting to play more is is strong and so and hopefully we get to do more of it in the future. So thank you one more time to Wizards for the free previews. Uh, we are I think both looking forward to seeing what other cards are coming out here. Um, as someone who who really likes aesthetic choices and likes to kind of represent a wide array of aesthetic choices in their cube, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what kind of what kind of more interesting things I could I could find. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of one of those things too. Like, you know, a cube is a lot about self expression and customization, and this is just another lent, you know, another aspect of that, which is cool. Absolutely. Well, I think there's only one thing left to do oh yes rock over london rock on chicago double masters 2022 too strong too shiny that is 
why is the first thing I'm thinking of too delicious? Too strong. Oh. It is too strong. Too strong flavor. <laughs> too shiny. Too delicious. I just like how it's T-O-O when it could be T-W-O also. Oh. Too strong. Too shiny. Ah, maybe that's... Because that was the old one, right? The old one used to take two cards in every pack when you would draft. It had two rares. It had two shinies in them. Oh, hmm. double. double. Double, double, toil and trouble. Oh, that goes yeah. back to the witch card we were just talking about. Yeah, I was going to say, attack the... Uh, Tying it all in there. Tasha, right? Because doesn't she have hideous laughter? Yeah, she does. That's me. I have the hideous laughter. Ta- I people. Hideous, Usman's hideous giggle. Yeah, they they just mill everything. Like, I'm done. I don't want to hear someone's going to come up with a custom card now for it. I expect to see it by uh, by the end of uh, June. I expect to see a Usman's delightful giggle card. It's probably something with gotcha that whenever you giggle, you get to put it back in your hand from your graveyard. Uh-oh. Like, stop that. I- I'm glad I didn't have to draft that unset with the hyenas. I would have just, they would have raised dead every, it'd be a recurring nightmare up in there. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. There was one time, which, um, I, I think this might be the last tangent, probably not, but like, ah. I, I was playing, you know, play arena um, on the couch, and I think my wife was just like in the, ki- you know, she was like getting something from the kitchen, and I had gone through just a really grueling best of three game that I won. And sometimes it's like I just squint sometimes if I don't clean my glasses, but I like squint. And then I just completely stone face. I just was like with one of my hands, just like raise the roof. But just like with one of my hand, like with one of my hands and my face is just, you know, completely stone face. Cause you know, I just, I don't know. I should have been happy, but ah. I was just relieved that I won. And then my wife saw it. She was just giving me trouble about it. I'm just like. <laughs> and I kept trying to replicate it, but if. Because, you know, she did a perfect imitation of it. And then I would try to do it, and I would just crack up immediately. Because I would, like, try to have the stone face, and then it'd be like. <laughs> and then just start laughing. So what you're saying is I should invite you to my next poker game. Oh, yeah. I would lose all my money <laughs> <laughs> although whenever i play like sometimes on uh i'm trying to think of what i was gonna say i forgot i don't know <laughs> but yeah it, it's, it's probably like, past your bedtime it is actually it, it, i was thinking it's very ironic because it's like whenever i'm done you know whenever we get done recording one of these episodes i always feel like really energetic and alive mm-hmm. and then when it's late it's like and i'm going to sleep (laughs) right and we're done is it like rain on your wedding day um yes it's quite ironic (laughs) don't you think (laughs) it's like rain. that's not ironic that's coincidence yeah there is a there is a great comedic i want to say i it might be george carlin I want to say, I hope it's George Carlin that he does a a thing of talking about the difference between uh, coincidence and irony. And he basically, I, I'm, I'm certainly going to, uh, I'm certainly going to, to butcher it. 
Um, and I think it, it might have been in um, like brain droppings or one of his one of his books. Um, but I believe he talks about like you know if a diabetic is going to you know a store to buy you know is going to a store and gets hit by a truck and dies that's not ironic at all um if he's going to the store to buy insulin and gets hit by a truck and dies that's a little closer mm-hmm. but if he's going to the store to buy insulin and gets hit by a candy delivery truck aha oh, you've yeah. now arrived at irony <laughs> I'll have to see if I can, I, I can find it and we can, and we can link it. I think, I think I've actually found the YouTube link, the correct one. So we'll, I'll have to take a look at that and we'll have to share that with you. So. Ah, nice. I'll make, but, I'll make sure to try to remember to do that and then completely forget. <laughs> that's what will happen. <laughs> that's it usually does. But yeah. Uh, thank you everybody. Yes. We, we really appreciate your patronage and sticking around. And thank you, Wizards, for sticking around with us for these previews. It's always, yes. it's always been, it's, it's something I've never really taken for granted. It's, it's always felt like, whoa, sweet. It's, it's oh, great. yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. But yeah, thank all you, everybody. everybody. We'll see you all next time. Peace. See you. Ouch.